Hey, Blunders, on this week's show, we break down the Dear Evan Hansen trailer. John Boyega is back for Attack the Block Part 2, and we discuss Disney's 45-day release window. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 165 of Real Blend, a podcast that is set to star in Knives Out 2. Congratulations <laughs> to us! Hey! My name is Sean O'Connell. We definitely did it. Okay, that's that's Gabe's joke. I gotta give him credit for that. And that Gabe, good. feel free to help me out every once in a while with those, because nah. I, am, I am dry. Nah. Uh, I'm the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and on this week's show, trailer reactions. We had a bunch of trailers that dropped, including Snake Eyes and something else that I've already forgotten. Uh, Army of the Dear Dead. Dear Hansen. Thank you. Thank you. Army of the Dead is going to be hitting Netflix, and Kevin's going to give us his review of it. Uh, and so I'll start by introducing Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. Hey, Sean, Jake, Gabriel. Good to see you guys. Missed you guys last week. Great to be back with you all. I'm, I'm excited about diving in on that uh, Dear Evan Hansen and Snake Eyes trailers. I have I have some thoughts. Oh, good. Um, they are, in fact, trailers. Joining us as trailers, well yeah. is uh, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. I'm always curious whenever Kevin says hello to everyone, usually one of us gets our full name. And I'm always curious every week to be like, well, who's, who's it going to be this week? Like, oh, usually it's either Gabriel, Jacob, Jacob. Or, or Jonathan. Jonathan. Yes. Jonathan's my favorite. Jonathan uh, is the best. It is Jonathan Bartholomew O'Connell. <laughs> and of course, Gabe Kovach, our producer, who is uh, chiming in as well. Hi, Gabe. How are you? How you guys doing? Good to see you. Uh, listen, housekeeping. If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see that Kevin got a haircut. Kev, looking yeah, sharp. Did. I like oh, it. My dad paid for this haircut, so thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Part of the reason why you should go to the YouTube channel and check us out. And while you're there, True. hit subscribe. Turn on notifications. Uh, I hope everybody went back and watched the second uh, s- spiral clip oh, that we put so up. Oh, great. Because that was... Um, the visual aspect of that where he brought out all of his props and we got to see the jigsaw puzzle, uh, the jigsaw puppet and the fingers really cool stuff yeah <laughs> and it it's so here. much better than the movie yeah I know that was really bad uh, if you're listening to us where you get your audio podcast needs met uh, you can go down to the description where you'll find out how to subscribe to Real Blend Premium which is a show that we drop on Mondays. In addition to the additional show on the premium, you also get an ad-free version of the show and a newsletter that I write every two weeks. And I think I owe one this week. Is that right, Gabe? Sounds right? Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. So go sign up for Real Blend Premium. You're really getting your money's worth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm putting a lot of thought <laughs> hey, into it. Clearly. Hey, we haven't missed a newsletter no. yet. I actually enjoy writing the newsletter because it's, um, it's like being a columnist for a newspaper. I would like, like to get it. Why don't you get it? 
Because I don't pay for the premium service. Oh, I keep getting unsubscribed from our newsletter for some reason. <laughs> I get an email every couple of weeks that says, you've been unsubscribed from the Real Blend podcast. And I That's Michelle it going in after you and just unsubscribe. <laughs> She's canceling my $5 payment because it's too much to put in for this show. Uh, let's get to the, uh, the weekly poll, which is going to be... Uh, so I wanted to ask people this because I was curious about where folks stand when you have an option to watch something in a theater uh, or wait for it to come to a streaming service. And a perfect example for our show was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. It was going to be in theaters for a week. It was coming to Netflix a week later. So if you wanted to be patient and see it uh, in the privacy of your own home, you could do that. It's going to be on, uh, on Netflix starting on March, no, May 21st. Sorry, we're into May now. So Kev... I gave people the option. Uh, do you want to see... How do you plan to see Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead? First option was in a theater this week. Second option was wait for Netflix. And the third option was not watching it. Where do you think mm. our listeners went? I, I hope our listeners went theaters. But I also understand the times that we're in. So I feel like Netflix is definitely a, a, another great option. HBO Max was where we saw a Snyder Cut. We didn't get to see that in theaters. So maybe there's just a comfort to that right now. Um, I'm going to guess that the general audience, though, I'm going to say said they're going to wait for Netflix on Friday. Knowing our audience, I was surprised that this number is as big as it is. But wait mm. for Netflix is 67 percent. I'll tell you why. It's because I believe the theater. Well, first of all, Netflix doesn't play, from what I understand, in major theater chains. Right. Like but I thought they entered. They entered into a deal with with Cinemark. Cinemark. Right? Cinemark. right. Cinemark. But there's not a lot of Cinemarks around me that I know of. And, and again, I'm not speaking. Uh, right. I'm not saying that I'm. See, that's I'm, interesting. So I guess I grew up in an area where they're like were pretty common. And, and see, yeah, I'm probably the, generalizing it. I, for me, AMC and Regal were the two that I always went to. And like, so for for like around here, like. I don't even know where Army of the Dead's playing. I think it's playing in Fairfax at, Cinem at like a Cinemark Theater in Fairfax, Virginia. But generally speaking, just because Cinemark is not as populated around here, that's mm -hmm. why I went with that answer. But Yeah, okay. and according to the comment section, as you guys know, we have a, quite an international audience. And there are just a lot of countries that aren't even as open as we are, even we're, even though we're open to like a limited right. capacity. So there, a lot of people are just mm -hmm. like, I don't, have a, I don't even have a choice. So. Yeah, well, I think 65% of the theaters are open right now, right? 65% in the U.S.? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, everything's open by yeah. me. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of people just didn't know that it was getting a theatrical distribution. Whenever I yeah. would mention to friends of mine, like, "Oh, you can see, you should see it on theater in the theaters if you can." Usually, a majority of their reactions were like, "I got to be honest, I didn't even know it was coming to theaters." Yeah. So, so I, I didn't feel like it was something that was incredibly well promoted. Um, but one thing I will. I'll give Snyder credit for it. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jake. Sorry, but um, what were you going to say? You say what was? Oh no, I was going to say like not to knock, not to knock Netflix or anything. I just it, it didn't feel like something that like they were really counting on raking in a lot of money. They, like it's not like it was a failure this past week. I, I think, think they, they put did it out there just to meet an obligation to him. You know, I think like so. they yeah. still want you to come to Netflix. <laughs> they don't sure. really want you going to the theaters to see a Netflix movie. But also, I, I feel like Snyder, and again, I don't want to get into too much n nerdiness here, but like I, I always talk about aspect ratios, and I know people say like, oh, Kevin brings that up all the time, but this is genuinely interesting. He shot it in a format that fills your whole TV. So he actually shot the film, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, this movie was always a Netflix movie. So yes. from, from what I understand, and I read, I read this somewhere that Snyder said this, like that the 178 aspect ratio, which is what he shot it in, which is fills your entire screen, there's no black bars in the bottom or the left and right, 
is designed really like I'm watching Lost right now and I'm 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 in season two of Lost and they shot that series in 178, which is the same aspect ratio that Snyder shot uh Army of the Dead in. It fills the whole TV. It looks phenomenal at home. So almost I almost feel like Snyder always made this movie with the intention of a home viewing. And I'm not saying the theater viewing isn't gonna be awesome. I'm sure it will, but I will say this is a particular film that actually works well at home because of how it was shot. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of, I don't know if people were really taking that into consideration when they're saying, oh, I'm going to go to a theater or watch it on Netflix. But this is a movie that actually surprisingly works really well at home. And he so. definitely thinks of that. You know, oh, he thinks of how no it's going to be presented. Yeah. Because if you look, I mean, even, I mean, again, speaking just like in terms of filmmaking, like if you're looking at a screen, Snyder Cut was four by three. So you had the black bars in the left and right. This is a massive. And also the cool thing about how Snyder shot this, and we'll get to this into the review later on, is he shot it very much handheld and very mm. much like a like a really uh curious filmmaker who's like really in it and very immersive um so there's there's a there's a certain immersive quality to that i think that works at home so that's probably why i'm not surprised why our audience and to gabe's point a lot of the theaters still aren't open especially amc's and regals that's it's not playing there so this surprised yeah. me 22 percent of the people who voted said they're not going to watch it at all and i thought like enough of our audience would be super curious about a new snyder movie so I feel like that's because the zombie genre and people don't realize this is a different version of the genre, Mm -hmm. but it's, but I think of the dead is so used. So like you think dawn day and night and Sean and then dawn of the dead (laughs) later on. And like, there's so many dawns. I just wonder, like, are people computing that this is like, I know he's changed the game with the zombies. They're smarter. They have feelings, but I wonder if people are just over the, of the dead idea. I don't I mean, know. Sometimes I feel like people just try to vote to tip sure. the results in, in a particular direction. Yeah, Particularly yeah. when it comes to Snyder. Alright, let's shift over to talking points. So a couple of trailers dropped that we want to discuss. Uh, one of them is for a, a show that Jake saw, and so I'm really glad you'll be able to chime in on this, because I think it's really popular uh, in the fact that what I've only really heard about Dear Evan Hansen is that it's a tough ticket to get. Uh, if it, I know it came through Charlotte, and it had a lot of buzz around it, but we it were not able here to get in DC. tickets to it. Did, Did it? it really? Okay, that's it's interesting. The first, like, it, it, it pre-showed here mm-hmm. in DC, and he came in studio to promote it. And this is before the Broadway run. So like they did that recently with the Mean Girls musical as well. Like they'll they'll, they'll test like they always do that. They do it in Chicago too. They, they test Chicago things too, yeah. sure, in yeah. markets. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, but it did start in DC. Then I think it went to New York, and then that's I think always it's fun touring. too because a lot of times, oftentimes, you can they're kind of getting a feel for stuff. It's, you almost, yeah. it's almost like an advanced audience for a movie. Sometimes when that happens, for better or worse, you'll see songs yeah. that won't make it to Broadway that, that'll end up being cut. So it's almost like a bragging right. Like, oh, I saw, I saw, I think one of the, like Sting, I got to interview Sting because his musical started in Chicago before it went right. to Broadway. Yeah. So I have a lot of questions about this show um, yeah. because I'm glad you guys are both more familiar with it's Genesis uh, than I am at all. Um, but it's a musical and this trailer only really had one suggestion of a song. Like it doesn't. Which is the, the main song. <laughs> it's not like an In the Heights musical, apparently, right. with like big show stopping numbers. I mean, it's 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 a, musical. it's a musical. I almost feel like they were the trailer was cut in such a way so that it's afraid to let you know that it's a musical. OK, like I think if you did yeah. not. Kevin, tell me what you think, because you've seen the show. If. You did not know that Dear Evan Hansen was a musical. I think you could very easily watch that trailer and never get the impression that it was a musical. 
No, yeah, I completely agree. By the way, I want to clarify. I, did, I actually did not see the show oh, in DC. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 the only reason why you thought I saw it is because I interviewed him. I wasn't able to make it to the preview show, which I, which I was one of my big regrets because that show blew up. Um, and he came in studio to promote it. I couldn't go to the preview show, but it did premiere here. But no, I haven't seen the show, but I know that it's definitely a straight up musical for sure. So um, the trailer and Gabe was kind of poking fun at this, that it kind of reveals it looks to me reveals the entire story like did that trailer give away basically what's in the show it gave away it, it took you till about three quarters of the way through the second act wow wow it, that's unusual it, it, it took you pretty far okay. can i say that trailer wasn't good yeah, sure. Of course, you could say that. I, I did you not. You are in fact allowed to say that. <laughs> I mean, am I am I crazy on that, or am I, I, I? I thought it was. I just I find was... that story to I, I I and I know people love this show, and I want to say it won the Tony for best musical. Um, and so 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 a lot of people love it. I remember not knowing what it was about when I went to see it here in Chicago, and then when I realized what the plot was about, I went that feels kind of icky like okay. that feels sort of weird so wait um, what i can tell from the trailer is that he befriends this this boy who commits suicide but he, he doesn't even really befriend him yeah he no. doesn't really know him but he pretends like he knew him yeah it's it's sort of a just a big confusing thing in that he has to write letters to himself um as part of a a sort of a therapy a therapist assigned him to write letters to himself okay through and keep in mind it's been a few years since i've seen this show through some strange circumstances uh, this this young guy who who goes to his school who's having some troubles uh, comes across the letter and ends up leaving with it. Okay. Uh, the young man ends up taking his own life, and they find the letter which is written oh, to Dear Evan Hansen in his pocket. But he right? wrote and, it exactly. But but Evan wrote it, and so everyone starts paying attention to him because they yeah. think that he was actually secretly friends with this young man who took his life, and his okay. parents start, and he kind of just starts for lack of a better word lying okay and feeding into this until it gets just too be, big too big the okay. lie gets beyond him okay and it eventually like you can tell on it i don't think it's a spoiler it's in the freaking trailer the truth comes out yeah but there's just a large portion of the of the musical where i just felt like this feels weird it's interesting like, this is a weird because like it's he's he's kind of for low-key enjoying the attention that he's getting by all of a sudden becoming popular here here are my takeaways from the trailers because i know i know of in the heights and i know it's lin-manuel miranda and i know that it was his show before hamilton but i'm not familiar with the show um and it i takes know place in the heights a little bit about dear evan hansen because i've heard surface level about it watching those two trailers i watched the in the heights trailer and i was like oh i totally see why people love that show that looks amazing and i watched this trailer with no you know leading into anything and I thought, like, why is that show so popular? Like, I really didn't understand yeah. the draw of it. I actually found the trailer, it, it felt low budget. Like, the movie mm. didn't feel like it was big. And, like, and that, that's the thing. It's, like, going into the trailer, Dear Evan Hansen, in my mind, is this gigantic Broadway show. Cause I, I mean, just to clarify, I grew up going to Broadway all the time with my parents. I love Broadway. That's I so love cool. musicals. That's I love so cool everything about them so dear evan hansen was actually a show i really wanted to see my my wife's mom lauren's mom saw it uh in new york was blown away by it. i've heard mm -hmm. that the show is incredible i know jake you saw it um but people who saw it with with um ben platt apparently it was just like incredible um did that guy write it did he write well, the show yeah 
Platt, Platt I believe, is involved in writing the story. Double check that. I know for sure that yes. the movie's coming from like Perks of Being a Wallflower director and a bunch of other uh, and the guys um, who did the show book for Greatest Showman. Um, correct. In La La Land. Yes. Right. Yeah. They wrote the music. Right. So I, I think I want to say Ben's involved in the writing of the story, but someone please clarify it's, that for me. Uh, uh, I believe it's based on a book which the guy who wrote the play also wrote. From what I understand, Let okay. me, I'll right. double oh, check. But I don't think he wrote it. Okay. He's really okay. milking it. So, for, apologies for that, but yeah. But in general, I, when I watched the trailer for the for the movie, I was expecting this gigantic, like in the Heights style trailer, right? And mm-hmm. I've seen in the Heights, and I love the film, and, and you know, and so the trailer really matched the movie for me in in, mm-hmm. in terms of in the Heights. But in terms of this, I just. And I think Ben Platt's a really good actor. It just felt like they were like it felt like they just scrapped together an idea of how they were going to put this on the big screen. Because at the end of the day, when you translate from stage to movie, it's a it's a it's a completely different medium. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things you can do in the movie world that you couldn't do in the um, in the on the stage. So to me, I just thought the movie didn't have any creativity to it. I felt like everything I was watching in the trailer could have been done on a stage. It feels you know like I mean? it's a shame to be a musical, right? It's all, but I feel like they they didn't they didn't do anything with it. Like it yeah. didn't like they didn't even like. I feel like again, this is just a trailer, but I don't Looks feel like, like they, they used the down. medium of film. Yeah. Where, where where was the creativity in terms of like utilizing yeah. a film environment to Especially make? Especially when you when you think about, and I know we're going to talk about it at a later date. And I hate to compare one musical to another because they're different things. But when you see what John M. Chu did with In the Heights, <laughs> and you see what the he did with the camera dancing, and, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, and reflections in glass so Unreal. that you're looking at one character but seeing reflections of an ensemble dance like when you now, see like to, to me you see, like I, I i look at in the heights and i go oh i get why they gave john m chu wicked and yeah. i can't wait to see what he did with wicked i don't see anything in, in the dear to be Evan fair Hansen though Tyler. if it's a story about you know a kid who committed suicide and you know sure. stealing his identity or, or per- perpetrating a lie like maybe it doesn't lend itself to the flair you know but, well it's not necessarily flair but like in the heights has some very serious subject matter as well mm. and i think again i'm not comparing subject matter clearly dear evan hansen is focusing on a very serious subject I guess my point is not the flair is not missing. It's that they I feel like they didn't again, based on the trailer, they didn't utilize the medium of filmmaking yeah. to enhance the story yeah. um, to, to uh, or dear Evan enhance the story. You know, I, I really I don't think that they did a good enough job genuinely in <laughs> yeah. the trailer from doing that. So I'm hoping the movie's different. I don't know how you guys felt, but I just it just didn't. I felt like I was watching the stage production, just like a yeah, low like- budget version of it. The X factor to what makes a great musical a great musical, regardless of what the subject matter is about, to me, the X factor was not present in that trailer. Yeah, we were, um, I, just, yeah. you know, I mean, you look, you look at something like, and again, apples and oranges, but like Chicago is about a woman on trial for murder. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you watch that movie, yeah. and it, has it a song still called, has the sparkle. It has a song called Razzle Dazzle. It does it really. <laughs> yes. But if if this is an actual musical and it's just, just a, and it's not just a movie that has one musical performance in it, which is all the trailer yeah. gives you, that's yeah. a really terrible way to market your movie. Because if 100%. you're marketing it, going, oh, people don't really watch musicals. Like you're, if that's what you, I'm not saying people do that, but if we'll that's, just get them in the theater and surprise them. Is that not the worst experience you could have? Is going, I'm going to go see this drama, and then you and you don't like musicals, and then everyone starts <laughs> singing, and you're like, I'm in a fucking musical. Like, yeah, yeah. isn't yeah. that the opposite that you want people in your theater for? Like, I think they either have to I release a new trailer. Game. They either have to release a new trailer that has more songs, and it's like this is a musical. Or this trailer was, a, to me, has to be a statement of, like, it's not going to be a musical. It's just going to have 
this one song in it. Yeah, which is kind of like the big. So I I, th- I think if you were you know on iTunes where they do the rankings of like the most, I think that would probably be the number one song from yeah, yeah. that entire musical. I also feel like to Gabe's point, I feel like this movie came out of nowhere. I, I actually honestly didn't know they were making <laughs> a Dear Evan Hansen movie yeah. uh, until until the trailer dropped. And I, I don't know. For me, I think to Gabe's point, I think the people who saw this play or this musical, they're going to go to the movie. But how do you hook a new audience? Yeah. And that trailer did nothing for, for me who hasn't seen the musical to make me go, oh, man, I really want to see that. Like, if they, you know, it, and I know there's been lots of talk about the Hamilton mu- movie as well. But, like, you have to take it to a different level, man. Mm-hmm. You have to direct it in a certain way. So one, one thing I want to ask you guys, do you think it was a mistake? And we were texting about this beforehand. Keep in mind, Ben Platt played a college kid 10 years ago in Pitch Perfect. He played a college kid 10 years ago, <laughs> and now he's playing a high school kid. I get that he was a, the original Evan Hansen. Right. But do you think... I, I don't mean, mind that. I mean, okay, but like even Lin-Manuel Miranda went like, yeah, I'm going to give Usnavi to someone else. Like, do you think sure. Evan Hansen should... Or Evan Hansen, do you think Ben Platt should have been like, no, I've kind of aged out of this, give it to somebody else? Well, yes. I, he, he, pl- he played, but he played the character a couple years. It was only a couple years ago, right? And I feel like he, Ben Platt, is the character... Like, uh, to, like as Kevin mentioned, like this maybe this movie is really just made for all the people that saw the play, and those people want to see him play that character again. Like that might just be the budget and the expectation that they have for this is let's just get that audience into the theater, bring him along, and not try to fit somebody else into it because he did become. I mean, I, he was yeah. that was him for for those four yeah. or five years or whatever he played that character. I saw someone tweet this, and I don't want to take credit for it, um, but someone tweeted a comparison to John Travolta in Greece and how old he was when he played Greece. I don't remember how old Travolta was. I think he was like 26 they were all, or something. They were all pretty old. They were all <laughs> yeah. in their 30s, and I, yeah. Stocker Channing, like Channing was like but Travolta, <laughs> late 30s. Travolta looked older. Like, I yeah. think Ben Platt can... I, I actually think Ben Platt, that didn't bother me. I feel like he could guess, pull that off. But my issue is that Ben Platt looks so much older than everyone else. Everyone in Greece looks like they're 40. Yeah, Ben Platt just looks significantly older than everyone yeah. else does in the movie. Does he look significantly older? Is it I like think he a does. Couple years? Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's get to the other new trailer that that dropped on Sunday night during the MTV Movie Awards, and that is for Shang-Chi, and that, no, wait, I'm sorry, it's for Mortal Kombat, and, well, hold on a second, it's called Snake Eyes. Uh, It just looks like a bunch of other movies that have come out this year. What are you showing us? Breaking news? 
Uh, I mean, it, it ties in with the opening joke. We have a new cast member of Knives Out 2. I'll let that be a tease, but let's continue with the trailer talk. Paramount has a new uh, G.I. Joe Origins story, um, and we know how well it went when they did uh, Wolverine and X-Men Origins story, uh, and they're starting with Snake Eyes, and it'll be Snake Eyes um, looking like Henry Golding, which makes a lot of sense when you hire Henry Golding to be your leading man. You want to show him off as much as possible, and Snake Eyes is a ninja character who um, has a mask and is silent. <laughs> And so I guess you do a prequel. Uh, this was a very short trailer, a 60 second look at Paramount. So much so that we all had to say, wait, did we see the full trailer? <laughs> yeah, that was it. It was a tease. And um, it looked like a Snake Eyes movie. Did it do anything to excite you guys for uh, what's to come from Paramount this summer? It didn't unexcite. It just, it, it, it you know, it, it kind of looks <laughs> about like what I, how yes. I felt about the other G.I. Joe movies. Like, they're, like it, they're, there it is. Like, the, I... Henry Golding, uh, I, I I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm. That's I, I, funny. I was rewatching re the Gentleman recently, and he's just awesome in that movie. Um, and obviously Crazy Rich Asians. But I don't know. There, uh, this tra the trailer. I liked the cinematography a lot and the colors of it. I thought it was a really vibrant mm -hmm. trailer. Um, did it? I don't. It didn't do anything for me story wise, character wise. I honestly couldn't tell you what it's about based on the trailer. Um, it's about Snake Eyes. Yeah, but I mean, I did enjoy the visuals of it. But again. Was it something I had never seen before? No, I feel like I've seen. There wasn't a single like moment before. in that where I was like, "Ooh, that's the one I want to see on the big screen." So I feel like I, I, I will say this: going into the trailer, I already didn't care about a Snake Eyes movie. <laughs> so, so my, so my, my visual, my, my experience of the trailer was like, "Oh, that actually looks better than I thought it was going to be." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, one thing I feel like we have to understand, at least when we talk about movies, is we all have expectations going into things. We sure. all do. We all have certain bias in in our minds about what we like, what we dislike, and so like I think it's interesting when you like, for example, with um, we were talking about uh, earlier, what movie was I saying was better than I thought it was going to be? A Cru Cruella. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I know we can't get into to reviews now, but like, like there, when you go into something and you don't have expectations for it, and then it's and then it exceeds those expectations, I find that it's you know it's an interesting experience. Like Snake Eyes looked better than I thought it was going to be, so I actually didn't think it was a bad trailer. There you it go. was fine. Yeah. Uh, I have high expectations for our next story, which is uh, news that John Boyega is reteaming with Joe Cornish for a sequel to a film that they made a long time ago before oh. John Boyega was John Boyega. Well, I guess he was always John Boyega, but the John Boyega that we knew uh, called Attack the Block, which it's is so an alien. He'll always be the Attack the Block guy to me. He'll always be that. Like, like, he's not Star Wars for me. He'll always be the Attack the Block guy. That's I'll, interesting. I'll always think of him that way for some well, reason. You're going to get a chance to think of him more that way because he's returning to the character. And I like this because it's a sequel that has been talked about for a long time. But X amount of years have passed since they did it, and I guess they have a reason to get back together for the story. And it's the type of character that I don't mind returning to. Like, you could turn to him every couple of years if you want to and check in how they're doing. Uh, I really do wonder how it's going to happen, because this was a pretty centralized story. It was just aliens land in this tough neighborhood uh, outside of London, and it was extremely practical and really low budget and rode on the charisma that John Boyega clearly has. And so um, I, are there any plot details or anything revealed in the announcement that they're getting back together? Or is it just the reunion of these two? As far as I know, that's it. I, yeah, that's all I saw. I just saw the Cornish and Boyega announcement. Okay. Well, but I, I am very excited that I'm hoping the news will encourage maybe people who've never seen the original to go, well, I gotta, I gotta go find the first one if I'm gonna see the second one. Because arguably the second one's gonna be bigger because uh, John Boyega is a bigger actor now. 
Um, so I'm, I'm the best part of it, whether, uh, you know, and I, th- I hope and I think it'll be good, but whether it's good or not, it'll still encourage people to retroactively go back and find the yeah. first. And, and I don't cool know anyone thing. who's seen the original and didn't enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's one of those oh, movies awesome. where it's like, it maybe it wasn't yeah, a giant movie. It was, it was a small, you know, kind of indie movie for a lot of people. But every time I introduce it to someone or every time someone's like, I saw that, they have a good time. It's, that has that Here's kind what of I hope, too. The underrated I, monster design. Really yeah. underrated monster design. I, I know this sounds crazy, but I kind of wish, I kind of hope and wish they do this. They do the movie with the same budget. That's what I'm, I was just about to say that. Like, I don't want I, them to do the Independence Day resurgence mistake. Yeah, don't supersize it. Don't super, I mean, How if you want to I got cut out of that movie. <laughs> that's why I hate if you want to if you wanna, if you want to add five or ten million to it, that's fine. But like, I, I feel like what makes that also that movie has great visual effects mm-hmm. for 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 the independent style that it is. So I, I, again, this all goes back to the idea of what you can do in camera when yep. you have limited uh, uh, um, capabilities. And I feel like with Joe Cornish and bringing in Star Wars's John Boyega now. You're, you're probably going to get more financing, clearly. Um, but I, I just hope they don't lose sight of what they can do in camera and what they can do with lower budget effects. It would be a tremendous mistake to blow that out. Like, that yeah. needs to be street level uh, yes. and, and approached that way. And I hope yes. that they maintain that that gritty approach to it and not just That's like, smart. yeah, that would be really smart. So we'll That's see. Really smart. see how that Great title, out. by the way. Oh. Attack the block. Attack the block. Just a great title. Oh yeah. And you'll need subtitles if you rewatch the uh, original one because they talk in such a very thick <laughs> London accent uh, <laughs> that it's pretty amazing that you can follow the story. So uh, let's shift to some news that is affecting the industry as a whole as the uh, studios figure out how to get back to putting movies in theaters and some of the bigger titles starting to come up, including Cruella, which is going to be available as a Disney premiere, uh, part of that subscription. Uh, And Black Widow, I think, is also going to be one of those films that does that, where it's going to go to some theaters and it's going to also be on the Disney Plus service. And because so many of the major studios have a streaming component to them now, Disney is uh, implementing the 45-day uh, release window. They are shrinking down what was prior to that 90 days. Is that correct? Was that, is that the window? Uh, it's now half. It's going to be 45 days. And I would expect most of the other studios to follow suit if this in fact works. But this gives new films that are hitting the market 45 days to collect as much as they can at the box office. And then they'll be available in some type of streaming window. Does that mean physical media too? Does that mean like 45 days after they so. start pressing DVDs? Okay, I think 45 days is like the stream. I, I, again, I could be wrong. I, yeah. I, I I don't think it'd be that quick of a turnaround because 45 days is only a month and a half. Um, yeah, they would have to already be in production yeah, on the DVDs yeah, yeah. True. for them yeah. to come out in 45 okay. days. Okay, I, I think come that, later. I think, yeah, I think that means like it, when it goes to on demand because like there's like there's separate entities to release structures. I could be wrong and apologies to anyone listening if I am wrong, but I, I would imagine that 45-day window means the on-demand streaming paid VOD. Kev, you have evolved greatly as somebody who at the beginning of this show uh, was, (laughs) you know, planting your flag in the theatrical model. I've watched you grow and evolve as a person uh, on this subject matter in particular Mm -hmm. to the point where you would at least say, as long as there's a theatrical component, you're okay with things going to streaming. How do you feel about the 45 day release window? So, so yeah, so basically, like, my whole thought process shifted the day Sean and I were in New York for Roma, and I got yeah. to listen to Yalitza talk about her family and how they 
they're not near movie theaters in Mexico and they weren't able to go to theaters and Netflix gave them the option to watch films um, there. So I was basically it was an eye opening experience because it taught me that, like, listen, I'm very lucky. I live in a great area that has the ability to have movie theaters within every five miles. Right. And like and and some people don't. So and like Yalitza's family, the, the lead actress from uh, Roma couldn't go to a movie that was three hours away. Right. So Netflix <laughs> gave them the option to watch it at home. Um, so I've, I've shifted my tune in the sense that I understand Netflix. I understand streaming. I understand the reachability of it. Um, I still feel strongly that the theatrical should be first. Um, I I don't, I don't, I, I I know we're getting into different windows now in terms of theatrical windows. I know the pandemic shifted a lot of things and that's another perspective shift that we need to take into account that not everybody wants to go back to the movie theaters. I honestly don't care if it's a week or 45 days or 90 days or whatever it is, as long as the theater is the first place to be released and that's the forced. So like if everybody's really excited about Dune, everyone wants to see Dune, right? Like I feel like I know right now it's currently coming out on HBO Max and theaters the same day. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that at all, actually. I, I think that they even just give give Denis one week. Just force the theatrical for one week. That's the way it's always been. And I understand 90 days, that's gone. 45, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with 30. Mm -hmm. Um, As long as the audience has the option to go to the theater first. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the 45 day window is great. I think it's actually awesome. Um, I mean, 90 is just an archaic number. It's we're in a different time period now. 90 feels like an eternity now. It's yeah. way too long. And I think, and again, that's totally fine. We're just evolving uh, as a, as a, as consumers. Right. So I think we're all consuming things differently. We're all consuming things quicker. Now we're binging, we're watching series. You know, we have different options week to week. Some come out at the same time. I just think that we need to get into a position to hopefully where I, the HBO Max thing, I, I'm with Chris Nolan on that. Uh, I, I, I don't love that day and date mm-hmm. thing. I mean, look at Universal kind of has it perfect, right? 17 days, 17 days. Mm-hmm. You go to theaters, 17 days later, you're on paid VOD. So right. like, you know, I, I, I want to see the new, uh, uh, this, you know, there's a, a Spirit Untamed is coming out, whatever that Jake Gyllenhaal movie is, right? That, came, mm-hmm. that, that goes to theaters on June 4th. And then I, I believe 17 days later, it goes to paid VOD. I don't know. Is that going to happen with Fast and Furious as well? Fast 9? That's a great question. Um, a really good question. I don't know. And I don't want to say that's one way or the other. Cra- because yeah, that's that such a, a massive movie. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to be on paid VOD 17 days later. But that if is it, universal. If it's, longer, if it's longer than 17 days, do we refer to it as a slow nine? <laughs> no, but in, in all in all in all honesty though i, I need to point honest- out for people who aren't watching this at home gabe sprung out of his chair and leaned yeah. forward with that gem he couldn't <laughs> wait great. to get that one out well gabe gabe but also gabe actively hates fast and furious so any time any chance he could take to to jab it in there no but i um i also read some of the reactions today for fast like people are saying it's awesome which i'm yeah. excited about people are super um, in. But in, in terms of so that, that I really want to know this, if anybody listening to the show right now knows the answer to this, because from what I understand, AMC and Universal cut a deal during the pandemic. Right. It was mm-hmm. a 17 day theatrical window then to paid VOD. That seems to include Fast and Furious in my wow. mind. So That's it would be a little shitty month. of them to be like, oh, this is our big plan. <laughs> right. Except for this one and except right. for this one. And except like, right. well, theaters won't gotta, care, though, right? 
I mean, theaters aren't going to care if they say, hey, guess what? You have it for 50 days instead of 17. Like theaters. Well, the will fans be... will care if the fans yeah. are like, hey, great. In 17 days, I'm not comfortable going to the how theaters. Many but fans, I see how many fans, how many fans, though, nine. how many fans, though, know what a theatrical window is and know that it's <laughs> like how many people are just it shows up on the app and they watch it or they look well, it up and it says it'll be available I'm... on this date and they go, OK, that's when I'll watch it. Like, I don't know how many people I... are like we talk about it and our listeners maybe, <laughs> but. I'm gonna, I don't know how many I'm people gonna, are that take, aware of it. I'll take this from my because I interviewed John Cena for when they did the trailer release for this. I'm just going to take what he said because I think it was that he actually made a really good point. A fast release is a is an event. Like it's a big deal when a Fast and Furious movie comes out. I mean, no matter if you like him or not, the last one made a billion dollars. So I mean, we're talking about worldwide gigantic release. You like the movies or not, you know there's a new one out. So I would argue that when Fast and Furious comes out in theaters, you know it's there. You know it's coming out. It's all over the ads. It's all over the TV. They blast you with all the, the theater. So I, do people know what theatrical windows are? Not necessarily. Do they know it's going to be in their home in 17 days? Not necessarily. It's pretty much kind of inside baseball stuff. But I would argue that when Fast and Furious hits theaters in June 25th, that people will know it's there. Like, it's it's. I just think it's it's such an event um, and I know we all dis- differ on our thoughts on that franchise. I can't wait to see that. And I think that's actually a really cool movie to come back to theaters for. Um, I know Quiet Place is going to be a big one next week and, and, and Cruella. And, and, but I think Fast and Furious has that event status. Um, so I'm excited. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I'm interested to know if people actually think about it like that. Do you think someone's at home going, all right, Fast and Furious comes out June 25th. It'll be in my home 17 days later. I don't know. I'm looking for the Fast 9 information. Jake, while I look for that, tell us who got cast in Knives Out 2. Leslie Odom Jr. Hey, nice. I, I think that that cast is lining up to be pretty exciting. Oh, it's a, good, it's a good cast. I think, you know, if I'm being honest, I think I like the first cast more so than this one. Right. Um, do you think of anyone that we've seen cast so far that we have either seen, A, the person who who committed the murder or be the person who is going to be murdered i, I i'm i'm what thinking weird... that ryan <laughs> see here's 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 what is I'm that a weird question well it's just like i don't person. know what we're basing like are we basing it on their star power no, or like who like, like no I, I think you know i totally more legitimate. So specifically i guess yeah. like who do you think is going to be murdered or are they going to get like another old school iconic actor to be the one, or is it going to be like? No, I don't mo- think. Like you know, I think that I think that uh, I think he likes the genre too much to be like a. It's not going to be a sequel that's like, hey, it's similar to the first one. I think he loves yeah. the whodunit genre so much he's going to dip into a different well from the genre yeah. or or various wells because mm. he kind of did with that mm. one. I think it's going to be very different, but it'll be it'll just be a whodunit with this detective. So I don't know that sure. it'll be uh, necessarily uh, mirror it in that sense. I think he's going to last Jedi the movie. I think he's going to subvert expectations completely. I think he's going to like, I think you're going to go in expecting the same thing. Well, he already did that. He already did that with knives out though. Like knives out. There's like three, there's like three killer twists and not just like, who's the killer twist, but it's like true. What happened, how it happened, when it happened, all that stuff. There's, he already did that. Oh no, I don't mean that. So so what I'm saying is what he set up in knives out. That structure he set up in Knives Out, we kind of know that structure already, right? So Plummer dies, movie goes on, we learn Evans did it, the end, right? But but yes, you're right. There's different ways he did it in between that made it different. I think he's going to subvert that film. So like I, I think know. with I, Knives I, Out I 2, I think with Knives Out 2, you're expecting similar idea. Someone dies, we're in a house somehow, we don't know who did it, and it's going to come out to the end to be someone we didn't expect. But that's just- I think... 
I would imagine knowing Ryan Johnson and having him have Luke Skywalker throw a saber over his shoulder. I think that he's going to do oh, something really? where like, we know, <laughs> we know who the killer is at the beginning of the movie. And he's oh, interesting. And then like, we know, yeah, we're aware. I think we a, know who did it. Done it. I don't. And then we're going to go backwards and find so. out who died. I don't think I don't think oh, Netflix. So, I don't think so Netflix. Is this one going to be called Knives In? It's inverted. I don't think Netflix paid him. Well, I forget what the whole total was, but I don't think Netflix paid him a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I don't think they paid for two Holy movies that God. are like, hey, what if it's a whodunit, but instead of it's a, they did it. It's like yeah, I don't, it's, I don't it's, know that it's, that person right there. That person is the one who did it. I, I just feel I like he's gonna he's gonna have to play with it somehow. I, no, I bet I, you. It's, people like you a mystery. Find the, out who the, the murderer is. The, the engine beginning. of a mystery is inherently captivating and exciting. There's only so far you can go to subvert that, and I think can you, you did that Kenneth in the Braun first. On that? I'm huh? not sure he's aware. <laughs> oh. I like or- Orient Express. I love. <laughs> I love that movie. That movie's great. That's it a fun now, time. Now the next one, I'm not. Mm, mm. Well, if the next one even gets released, I was going to say, I'm not quite sure yeah. if they're we'll going to come to theaters. They're currently in a studio somewhere trying to figure out how to do facial replacement digitally. <laughs> are, are they watching Army the of the Dead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. That is seamless, by the way. I thought Snyder. it was great. I thought yeah. it was Zach, great. They're bringing in Zack Snyder to to redirect reshoots for um, Death in the Nile. That would be amazing. And Tig actually is playing Army's character. That, that, <laughs> that would be cool. Then. I, I, I love Tig. That would be amazing. All right. So last night, uh, out of morbid curiosity, Michelle and I turned on Netflix's uh, The Woman in the Window. And I'm sorry. This is a fascinating movie. <laughs> um, it's, I, and I refuse to believe this is actually the case, but it's directed by Joe Wright. And Joe Wright, who I adore, I, I, I love many of his films, but I do think he's starting to, so, well, he got nominations for Darkest Hour. I didn't love Darkest Hour, but I know that it was critically acclaimed and most people really um, it was good. This is the man, man who's coming off of like Atonement and Anna Karenina and um, Anna, I love Hannah, Hannah. Hannah, which is a fantastic movie with Saoirse Ronan, um, Pride and Prejudice. I mean, incredibly talented man. I have no idea what happened with this movie. Um, I, I there are apparently stories that you can go back and reread about the fact that like test audiences were super confused by it and. Um, it was uh, rewritten. Scott Ru- Scott Rudin, who's the producer of it, pulled in um, Tony Gilroy, who's one of these guys who always comes in to like fix movies and <laughs> and conduct reshoots. What blows my mind the most about it, though, is that the cast is literally to die for. It's it's uh, it's Amy Adams, it's Julianne Moore, it's Gary Oldman, um, even Wyatt Russell. You know, is playing a, a character who lives in the in Amy Adams's basement. It's it's shot in a way that like. I, like the cinematography is somewhat interesting. They they shoot her house to make it look like both massive and then like really constricting on her. She's agoraphobic. Uh, that's just so much going on. Like in one way, it is such a rear window ripoff to the point where literally ten they seconds into the, the movie, movie, they show rear window on a tele- on a TV. Does that like give you a pass if you do that? It's like oh, you can't. No, dude. Like they're acknowledging to, it. That's what I said to Lauren. I'm like, they just basically said we're stealing from this movie. Just and you credit. can't say shit about it. <laughs> here's, the, here's the bibliography. Yeah. Right here. I swear to God, dude, there are so many um, shots in this movie that are just complete rips of Rear Window. Like, they're so out of place because it's like her looking out her window and it's like zooming from window to window the way that Hitchcock did. And you're like, this isn't an homage. 
and you're also not blatantly ripping it off. So why are you doing it? What's the point? And I won't get into the mystery or the the reason. Like uh, here is essentially what it is. Like she sees a killing, she sees a murder, um, she reports it, and for various reasons, people are led to believe that she uh, did not see what she actually saw. Hmm. Is this like like suburbia? What's suburbia? Disturbia? Disturbia. Yeah. Disturbia is actually a really good with Shia? With, rear with, Shia, with, with, with America's did, sweetheart, Shia LaBeouf. I did like Disturbia. Disturbia yeah. is right. great. Anybody out there who hasn't seen Disturbia, that's a legitimately like great Disturbia. rear window homage. Like, it's so, awesome. Have you DJ gave, Caruso, did, who did that movie? Yeah, DJ Caruso did that, yes. That yeah. sounds well done. Kev gave uh, Woman in the Window a shot. How far did you get, Kev? About 45 minutes. And I, 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 to clarify... The only movie I've ever turned off in my entire life was Irreversible, and 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 I, and I went back. I never went back and watched it. This one was really bad from what I the forty five minutes that I experienced. I did have to get up and I walked away on my own. And I'm like, I can't watch this right now. I just wasn't in the mood for it. I never went back to it. Um, yeah. So are you going to? Do you think you're going to finish it? I'm not. And I and I, and I'll tell you as a film reviewer, I'm not officially reviewing this movie i'm not covering this film it's not like i'm not I'm, I'm not like just i didn't just get up and leave my job i just was watching it on a saturday just happened to be on netflix and i was like i just I was morbidly curious like sean was and it was as bad from what i saw as <laughs> yeah. i had read so um but i honestly I, i'll go i mean if, if there's an audience member who's listening to our show right now who says the movie is great and wants to tweet us and say kevin give it another chance i'll do it uh, I, but i from what i saw I mean, Sean brings up the point. The point in the movie I tapped out was the first 15 seconds was when they when the camera like goes in and you see the shot of Jimmy Stewart. I'm like, yeah, wait, why are they showing us rear window? Oh, oh, because they're stealing the whole entire concept. And they're (laughs) they're just telling us that this is just based on this kind of thing. It was like it was like it was like, the hey, we're stealing this. But here's what we're stealing it from. What's (laughs) amazing is, though, is that it's weird to see three actors who are so incredibly talented like not be able to make material work. It's and kind of an interesting case study. Yes, well, yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. Especially per- Oldman. Oldman in yes! particular. Like he's he's actively bad in this movie. And I didn't think it was possible. Kind of selling me on it. To I be honest, it I kind of I kind of want to see it now. It, it makes a case for how great a director can make an actor look. And an editor, yes. how how great they because because you I've heard story horror stories from actors who will go on set and deliver the best performance in their mind of their career. Then they'll watch the film and every take the director used was the worst take possible according to that person. Yeah, yeah. And like there are moments in this film where Amy Adams is delivering dialogue and she's one of the greatest actors working today. I mean, just just watch Arrival if you want if you want proof. But you know. There were edits and shots of her delivery that were terrible. And I yes. know for a fact there's no way Amy Adams delivered a bad performance because she's so damn good. It's the way it's then cut together and edited. Did you guys – I saw this story the other day that I thought was really cool. I think you guys have all said this before, so forgive me whoever mentioned this before. Have you ever heard the story about Tarantino and ER? No. Have you guys heard I this? So. Yeah. I, so he directed an episode of ER, I believe, and – Essentially, he, from what I understand, and I don't know if this is 100% true, he did every scene one time. Just every so take. They would, he did one take. Right. Yeah. Right. So they would have to make his director's cut. No question. Like, you, oh, it, it had to be Quentin's cut of the movie because they only had one option to choose from that's for the funny. shots. Um, that just reminded me of that. But, yeah, I thought the performances were not good. And, like, They're, some of three of the best actors working today. 
Yeah, poor Amy Adams' character uh, is on all sorts of medication for her agoraphobia. Um, but she also will not stop drinking wine. So she often has to play I'm drugged and drunk at the same time. Which is probably a really tough thing to pull off convincingly, sure. and she does not do it in any way, shape, or form. It's but really I exaggerated. If she did. Do you think she did in another cut of the movie? I don't, I'm not sure. I, I, I honestly was sitting there, Sean. I was sitting next to Lauren watching this movie, and I'm like, did Amy Adams like really deliver a bad performance here, or yeah. is are we just seeing the worst take of it? Because I, I thought to myself, Amy Adams has script after script after script coming in. Sure, she. You obviously take this because you, you wonder sometimes how these bad movies end up happening, right? Because if you think about the actors and the caliber who's in this film, they all took it thinking, "Oh, it's Joe Wright, yeah. huge director, this popular is gonna be book, it's gonna bestseller, yeah, right?" And like you wonder where it goes wrong. Like, like, and, and I'm sitting there watching this movie. I'm like, "Does Amy Adams? Did she see this? Does she not like go call the director and say, what the hell's going on with this cut of this movie?'" I mean, like, I, I don't know. I guess I you no just idea. give up your I mean, right they didn't do, they do didn't really any press yeah. for it, did they? They, they did didn't do nothing. Any... No, they did no oh, press for it at that's all. That's not a great sign. There's a moment early on when it struck me that I, that I said this to you guys before the show started, that it feels like it could have a life as like a Rocky Horror type midnight movie. Because there's no. so many sequences that are just like head scratchingly bad that if camp audiences kind of like embrace it, like there's a kid from across the street who's the young son of the... um of the family that she's spying oh. on yeah, yeah, and he's allergic to cats <laughs> and that's that's kind of like a recurring subplot for no reason right. whatsoever and he sits down um on next to the cat and he's petting the cat and the cat's licking his hand and the kid goes i like kitten tongues and <laughs> i was i burst out I laughing because it was the weirdest line and like so he has not said yet that he's allergic to cats but he's letting the cat lick his hand and he's petting the cat a lot. And then he goes, uh, all right, it's time for me to go now. Uh, I hope I didn't offend you too much to the cat. And Amy Adams is like, why would you offend the cat? He's like, because I have allergies. And she's like, well, why didn't you say that earlier? And he's like, I didn't want to hurt the cat's feelings. <laughs> and then he got up and left. And I thought like in a, in, in a sense of like the room, you know, like how scenes just kind of end and begin in, in a really awkward fashion, like... Maybe the film has value that way, but... See, I would argue... The only reason I would argue is that I think when they made The Room, they were making a bad movie already. Like, in the process of shooting, they were making a bad movie. In this case, I actually think they were trying... I'm not saying that they weren't trying to make a good movie with The Room, but I feel like when Amy Adams and Gary Oldman were shooting this movie, they probably thought... Oh, this was going to be good, right? Uh, You know what I mean? I do think so. So I feel like The Room was just... The Room is unfortunately bad, and I feel like we're laughing at that movie. I don't think, I don't know. That's weird. I laughed a bit at the woman of the window. So uh, let's get to a much better film that's also available on Netflix. So do not, do not hit the woman in the window. Go hit Army of the Dead instead when it drops on Friday. Uh, Jake and I gave a review of it last week. Uh, so go back and listen to that week's uh, episode to hear our takes on it. Jake's takes on it. Uh, Jake, let's quick give our star reviews out of five. I would give it four. I'd also give it four. Kev, where are you at? I'm at four as well. Um, hey, look at us. Yeah. I'm curious where we all where we all uh, diminished a point or lost a point. Um, uh, so I'll keep this quick. Um, so basically, I know you guys already talked about it. So uh, for me, I, I. All right. On the positive side, soundtrack mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, I do have a problem with one song in the film 
because I think it's way too on the nose. And I won't say oh, what I it is. I love that moment. I know what you're talking about, and I, I love that moment. I Sean, thought it was a little too on the, the nose. The last song of the movie? Oh, I liked it. I, I liked it, too. I liked I it. it. was great. So I'm a huge fan of Snyder's soundtracks. Um, his his opening credits in this one is one of the best he's ever done. Uh, it's His yes. opening credits is a short film. Yeah. Like, it's literally has full-blown character arcs. Yeah. Like, like we, see, we see an entire story take place in the entire opening credits. Um, so on positive notes, uh, it, 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 visually, it's incredible. Um, I, I'm still... I'm still working out the selective focus and the shallow focus. It's a very interesting concept. I like it a lot. It's very immersive. It feels very um, uh, immediate and right there. Um, it feels very real. It's definitely different. So it, it, it takes a little while to get used to the style. A lot of things are blurred out in the background. Lots of rack focuses. Lots of interesting pulling of focus. Um, very handheld. You feel Zach telling you the story you actually literally feel him telling you the story like the movements of the cameras like he's it's him like he's there the whole time shooting this entire thing and you feel that um the action's incredible every single time there's an action scene the movie's a 10 out of 10 no question some of the coolest zombie action i've ever seen uh the scenes in the trailer but it's so cool watching dave batista hop over those tables and just blow zombies away um opening credits are amazing love the pink font of the text love that the words were separated uh he kind of makes you look at the uh at the screen a little bit i found the drama to be interesting but overly done i think the movie could be cut down about 25 minutes i really do and 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 i and i again i love the length of justice league Mm. i loved all four hours of it um there was just dramatic elements line deliveries sometimes stuff between batista and ella purnell i thought could have been really condensed or because i mean the movie's interesting because it's blending genres and you also have great grounded dramatic characters like you actually batista's a great actor i actually think he's a very good actor um i was rewatching 2049 the other day i just love his small little glasses um but i mean there's so many details to this film that i do love that i highly recommend it no question um it just didn't it just didn't I still think Dawn of the Dead's better. His Dawn of the Dead movie, I think, is a better movie than okay. Army of the Dead. I, I just personally feel that way. Yeah. Um, and I'm cur- curious where you guys are at on that. But I gave it a four. I think could have been cut down a little bit. But that being said, it is an awesome zombie movie. It's an awesome action film. It's There are some genuinely re- like great characters. I thought Amari Hardwick was great. I thought everyone really kind of brought their A game in terms of action. Um, I'm interested to see the prequel. I guess they're doing a prequel with Mateus. Yeah. Is doing a, a prequel that he shot already that, that tells more of the story before, yes. maybe during the breakout. Him is the safe cracker. Um, so I'm interested in that. I thought his character was cool. I mean, there's an Ocean's Eleven vibe to it. Uh, the violence is insane. All right. There is a practical effect in this film that I think is one of the coolest effect shots I've ever seen. Oh, um, what? Uh, where are we on spoilers? Uh, I'm assuming no spoilers in this, right? Okay, I- I'll keep it vague then. There's a character. Uh, How vague can you keep it? Can we just I'm, say there's a great I'm, moment and move on? Okay, all I will say is in the third act of the movie, there is a effect shot that is actually real that you will think is CGI okay. that will blow your mind to know okay. it's real okay. um i'm very curious if any I, all i will say is it deals with a character I and don't a even, death okay that's all okay. i'll say there you go that's it 
Wait, okay. you, um, you mean people die in this movie? People die in this movie. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert! There's a certain character death that is done in a way that, like, I genuinely, when I when I did the junket for the movie, I brought this scene up to the actor, and the person told me how it was done, and I couldn't believe. I, I, I if you look at my face in that footage. It's like, I, I was like, are you kidding me? I was hoping we would have Snyder on our show I know. so I could ask him because it, you guys, when we get off the air, I'll tell you, but it's pretty cool. Okay. All right. So I gave uh, it a four out of five. I liked it. You asked a like lot. why we took a star off. I don't really know why I took a star off. Like, it's not like I looked at a reason and I was like, well, that's why it's not what it is. I think that like a five star version of this movie would have done a better job because I think it has three really great elements that could have led to be have it be a perfect movie, which is that mm-hmm. it has the heist element, you know, of getting into a casino to get the money out. It has the zombie element, and then it adds this amazing, what could be, ticking clock version of they move up the nuclear blast, so now yeah. they only have an hour. When that yeah. happens, it happens at a time when there was already enough going on in the movie that when they moved that up, I was like, I love the fact that you gave them that ticking clock, but it's like those elements didn't mold together in a way that I was like, oh, this is really great now. It rushed everything else. Kind of. Kind of. But it was still really fun. But like, that's just what caused it to be like a four versus a five. I thought it did. I thought it did the zombie element really, really great. I thought it skimped a bit on the heist element. Like it wasn't airtight the way like oceans would be. You know, um, and then it rushed a little bit of the nuclear element. And if it could have combined those three perfectly, then I would have been like, damn, this is a five. But instead, it was a fun four. So yeah. it ended up being a fun four. Yeah, Total it's interesting that four. whatever you asked, and it's funny that, Sean, that you, you, you narrowed in on that question that Kevin asked as well. I, I guess I don't really think of it like I, I don't because I, whenever I do ratings for a movie, I don't start at five yeah. and then go down. I think I start at the bottom and go up. So for me, it's not so much like what happened so that I knocked it. I, I guess I would say also I wasn't a big fan of, without getting into spoilers, sort of the origin of where, of like how the zombie, uh, yeah. over to me that felt very generic. I feel okay. like we kind of seen that like accident before. Like it felt kind of like, you know, like, okay, I've seen like that's, that's where this whole thing comes from. Um, and then to the point, I kind of felt like it ended a little like okay this is this is how zombie movies end like this is mm. this is you know um so i think you know the 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 bookends either end felt a little zombie generic for me but everything in between i, just, I had an absolute blast um watching it so it was enough for me to not so much knock off one point but to start at the bottom and work itself way up four points yeah well, one thing i'll give snyder credit for though is he actually made you feel for the zombies which i thought yeah. was really interesting and i think it, there was a point i i, I shifted throughout the film back and forth to the humans and the, and the zombies who I cared about more um, in a weird way yep. uh, because there, uh, and this is actually really interesting. So Amari Hardwick has this incredible line early, early in the film where he talks about, so for people who aren't aware the the movie is based, basically the idea is there's a zombie outbreak in Vegas, uh, a bunch of mercenaries take down these zombies. They, end, they get out of a quarantine zone and then they're given a heist uh, option to go in and take, $200 million, but they have to enter mm-hmm. into the quarantine zone. So Hardwick is dealing with PTSD, right? His character is dealing with this, uh, you know, he has this line early on, where he, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it, but he's like, when I was killing the zombies, basically, I didn't think about their faces because remember, these are human beings who have been turned into zombies. So he was dealing with it from a PTSD standpoint. He goes, but now all I see is their faces now that mm-hmm. I'm out of it. Like, oh, and I'm just reliving 
the the deaths over and over again. So he goes going back in was going to be going to be very cathartic for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so there that that through line and his character arc, I thought was the most interesting part of the film. You know, interestingly enough, even though Batista's the lead, uh, I just found that that storyline to be cool. So there was a really interesting grounded nature to this film in the absurdity of it all. Um, that really yeah. does work. And so, so I, to give Snyder credit, that's not an easy balance, especially when you're dealing with the absurdity of it all. I mean, this is a, what, 70, 80, $90 million zombie film. 70, um, yeah. But there's so many practical effects, like the, the blood explosions, the brain explosions, like there's some cool stuff. And then you get the Snyder slow cut. It's uh slow, slow mo. You get the, Jake, I didn't feel uh, like there was that much. I felt like I was actually enough, kind of surprised. They use, wanna... they use, they use it sparingly, I guess, yeah. but they, when they use it, use it a little more, cause I like his, yeah. I like his slow mo. This was and my takeaway. This was yeah. my takeaway from it. And tell me if you think this is unusual. I was really happy to see him freed from DC movies. Like mm-hmm. he sure. did DC yeah. movies for 10 years. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was nice to just see something different from him. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. And that's not a slight to his DC work in any way, shape, or form. Of but course, like, look at your shirt. I was very encouraged. Like I, in the first opening, you know, from from the way that the zombies get released to the opening credits, I was like, oh damn, it's really good to have a, yeah. a Snyder movie that's not yeah. it you felt know, like he felt free in yeah, a way. In a little bit. Yes. You know this whole that. segment's just gonna get cut out and posted on the internet and we're gonna get ripped <laughs> apart, right? Yes, that's fine. Especially me, dear God. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're ready here. to come at me with their sharpened knives. So let's transition into our blend game this week, which happens to be hashtag Zack Snyder blend. And I'll be curious to see if any one. of us once again pick I, army one. I'm surprised we haven't done. Uh, Jakey, why don't you start us off? Where are you going for your favorite Zack Snyder film? Uh, mine was very easy. I'm going with Watchmen. Okay. Um, not just my favorite Snyder film, but it is also my one of my favorite, probably top five favorite superhero films of all time. It's a movie that I feel bad for Snyder because I think it probably came out about ten years too early. Yeah. Um, it uh, you know it really it has a lot to say about a a type of film that hadn't really gained enough popularity enough for people to realize what it was actually saying. Now, granted, when Alan Moore's graphic novel came out. It was a testament to all of the comic books and stuff. But I think had Snyder waited 10 years to make Watchmen, it could have been a real testament to the superhero genre that's overtaken Hollywood. And then I think people would have connected with it a lot more. Um, I actually am in the minority in that I prefer the theatrical cut more Same. so than the, than the director's cut. I feel like the editing beats are, are a lot sharper. Um, I think it is his best, best opening credits set to, uh, to Bob Dylan's song, mm. um, The Times They Are Changing. Um, and, and it just everything, you know, and I think as someone who, who loves, I mean, I've got a, a signed copy by Dave, Dave Gibbons, not Alan Moore of uh, Watchmen, like right here uh, to my right. And I mean, I, it's one of my favorite novels of all time. Um, I actually don't mind and kind of like a lot of the changes that he makes. Um, I don't mm. mind it, squid? The, the squid not being a part of it because, you know, because also and also we've also gotten. Uh, Damon Lindelof's series, right. which shows the repercussions of the squid. So I feel like we kind of had our cake and eat it too. Um, I, I, I love everything. I think um, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach is some of the Perfect. best and most underrated superhero casting ever. Yep. Um, a handful of them, I think a um, couple the of Hollywood acting. Love scene? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, not so much that, but but just uh, uh, Malin Ackerman, yeah. I believe is her name. I think that I, she's not great in the movie. Um, I think that acting choice could have been a lot better. Um, but also, I, but I also loved Billy Crudup as Dr. Manhattan. I might ding um, Patrick Wilson for that too. 
I'm not sure that he's quite up to. And Patrick Wilson's a very good actor. Sure. But for some reason, I think he wasn't quite up to the material there. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but overall, I actually rewatched it recently uh, in the ballpark of the Snyder Cut coming out, and just I oh I love it. I, I adore that movie. Love that movie. Love that movie. So it is far and away my favorite. He said in an interview recently that he has not watched the Lindelof series, and I find that really hard to believe. Like sometimes when filmmakers say that they don't watch certain things. I can't understand that because yeah. if I was a yeah. creator who had made a Watchmen film and then you told me there was a multi-part Watchmen series, like, I agree. I'm clearing my schedule. Like, well, I'm sitting I mean, down and watching that. I mean, but sometimes but he, I assume maybe, like, it's because they're busy. He's been pretty busy. Like, okay, but, like, okay, so I, so I interviewed... Uh, I'm busy. Lin- I, watch I mean, it. he's like, so busy Lin- that he's shooting too. superhero movies in his driveway. That's how busy he is. He's <laughs> a pretty busy okay, couple but, years. So, like when I the very the very first time I ever interviewed Lin Manuel Miranda, he said one of the weirdest things like in life post Hamilton was sort of coming out of this cave and realizing how much pop culture he had to catch up on. He goes like there were TV series that had ended and I re- didn't really realize that they didn't had to go back and watch it. So you know I'm not saying that like the dude doesn't have a free second, but I guess yeah. maybe like if he's so submerged and he had obviously a lot of personal stuff going on, I just think that there were things that probably kept him from he does have a lot of kids maybe he's really busy with family stuff but i don't know i i would be circling the calendar like i can't wait to see this adaptation of something that i immersed myself in so i don't know a lot of times i don't believe what they say that they have seen. Well, to, i also don't believe he hasn't seen the justice to League, jake's, the, the to jake's J- point Josh though cut. i think when you spend your days and nights meticulously trying to craft a story in in this medium you can't really sit down and escape that medium by absorbing more of it. Like you're just going to mm-hmm. go, your brain is probably already exhausted. You're probably critiquing it more than you should. You're probably going, Oh, do I need that? Like, I imagine it's hard to use that as an escape. when you're in the middle of trying to make something. Interesting. Hey, like not, you know, people ask me all the time, like, Oh, do you listen to this podcast? And by no means am I ever, would I ever try to compare myself to Zack Snyder? But like, I don't really listen to other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like, like you guys exhaust me enough. I can't. Yeah. I can't listen anymore. Like it's. Just, I. I do this, and then that's it. That's. That's my day. I think Kevin and I have the same pick. Kev, what'd you pick? Oh, man of Steel, man. I mean, oh. man. No, we, we, that is not Sean's pick at all. We didn't. Wait, wait. What did you go with? I did BVS Ultimate Edition. All right. Well, well let's let's play with those. Um, <laughs> damn it. Wait, are we considering Ultimate Edition a a pick versus the theatrical? Yeah, yeah. sure. I'd say so. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, I'm gonna go Man of Steel. Okay. Um, primarily because it changed Superman for me completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen anybody play with Superman like that. Um, also grounding him in in a real I don't know I I love the previous Superman films, but this just felt more real. And <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy because we're dealing with aliens and other planets, and but there was something about the way that Snyder. At shot that film was it Larry Fong who shot that I believe yeah. mm-hmm. um, and Fong also did um, Watchmen and mm-hmm. for people out there who are fans of Snyder keep an eye out for a really cool Larry Fong um, Easter egg the magician in Army of the Dead the magician Ooh, what? oh what is it uh, it's oh uh, really yeah there it's a it's a billboard on the side of a casino and it's Larry Fong's face and it's it's like it's like he's like David Copperfield oh yeah, that's fun. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um <clears throat> but yeah no Man of Steel was it, it's so interesting because BBS Ultimate Edition I'm probably it's probably right there for me so it's not really far off um, Man of Steel I there was something about the docu style the way that movie was shot where I felt like I felt like he was capturing a real moment in life like we were like we were just we were just witnessing 
what it would be like to see Superman come to Earth and and Zod come to Earth and battle. Like, like what would that, how would that be captured? And I remember Snyder at the press junket for Man of Steel talking about the idea that he wanted the Superman shots to appear hard to capture. He wanted it to look like they were having a hard time getting Superman in frame. And so like, so he's sitting there like jolting the camera, shaking the camera um, to make it feel like someone was filming Superman flying around for real. And I think um, that paired with Zimmer's score and oh my God, that opening scene with Russell Crowe is amazing. Everything about that film um, through the end, through the death of Zod, everything. And then going into BVS, the connection, the Affleck look up uh, in Metropolis. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, So for me, I think Man of Steel just kind of changed the superhero genre for me, kind of like similar to what Dark Knight did for Batman. Um, And I think what Nolan did with Batman was he grounded him in a a quote-unquote Michael Mann heat type of world, right? And Mm -hmm. I think to see Superman in a realistic, I don't know, it just felt real. And I know it sounds weird to say that, and I get it. It's all, there's tons of CGI. But for me, as I watched that story, and I know Sean and I disagree on the Kevin Costner scene, but the Costner scene to me is what made the movie emotional for me because I never understood that that inner battle of not wanting people to see you yet because they're not ready. And I, I, you don't really think about it because when you're watching a superhero film, you're just having fun with it. It's a superhero. He's dealing with his powers. He's learning his powers. But I never really understood the struggle of what it was like for that character of Clark and Kal-El to be there on Earth and not have people know what he is. Hmm. And for his father to basically say, the world's not ready yet, so I have to die because they're not ready to see who you are yet. Like, that in the middle of a, an action scene or a superhero film and a big budget blockbuster, I just I, I just hadn't seen something like that before. Um, it was just deeper than I I thought it was going to be. And I just love the way Snyder directs his action with Zimmer's score. It's just an astounding achievement. And I, I remember seeing that film and loving it. And Jake saw it. We loved it, too. I, I, I couldn't believe the divisive nature surrounding that movie. I did not mm-hmm. understand. But I also came from somebody who was not a Superman comic fan. So I didn't really understand the whole thing about him not killing people. To me, it was a necessary death scene. It was necessary for him to kill Zod. And we talked to Shannon about that, Michael Shannon about that. Um, so for me, it was just a, it was just a genuinely interesting look at Superman. As I walk away from Man of Steel, I walk away thinking how cool the action was, but I also walk away thinking about cool, how great the human drama is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they really humanized. They really made an alien, a human being. I mean, Clark Kent, to me, was such a fascinating character. Like Superman's awesome, but I got to understand Clark Kent more, um, mm-hmm. and then his whole family more. So, Man of Steel just moved me, man. I love that movie. Uh, part of me thinks that those films, Man of Steel in particular, um, and then BVS, the way that they came out, were so unfairly judged to the Marvel movies that were happening at that time. You know, yep. I really think that the general mainstream audience and i'm putting myself into this category as well too had been getting used to superheroes being superhero movies being a certain way sure um and snyder it's not that he specifically went against the grain to make a movie that said like i'm gonna make the different a different movie than what marvel is doing he just made his own movie 
And it was such a jarring change that it didn't sit well with me the first time I watched it. Um, and I didn't appreciate I, I thought that there were some really great things going on in it, but it, it didn't gel completely for me. Obviously, everybody knows I wrote this book about Zack Snyder, and so I've rewatched those movies Wait, sorry, so what? many times. You did what? Yeah. What'd you do? There's a link in the in the description. Wait, how did you feel when you saw Dark Knight for the first time? Um, I liked Batman Begins more. Uh, oh, wow. I still I still like Batman Begins more. Um, I think I I still hold on to the fact that Dark Knight in the last 20 minutes falls apart. Yeah, you fall Dark, apart in the last 20 no, minutes. Dark Knight is not a perfect movie, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. Like the the, the movie ha- the movie is astounding. It's a game changing film, action wise. Joker's phenomenal. Love that movie. I don't yeah. I don't think that movie's perfect though. It's not. I don't think Maggie Gyllenhaal's great in it. I think that there's some problems with Dark Knight. But yeah, so I had issues with Dark Knight in general, yeah. and I think Batman Begins is a perfect movie. I think it's really. Tremendous and I love Dark Knight. Don't get me wrong. It's, yeah. just, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. No, it's not. Jake probably likes Rises. I, <laughs> Jake, picked, Jake. <laughs> I picked Ultimate Edition for this reason. Uh, Batman vs. Superman Ultimate Edition. Because I had not seen too many examples of um, a director's cut completely changing how I feel about a movie. Completely. Um, and it's it's astounding to me that it's essentially I don't know that I don't know the number, but let's say that it's like 15 minutes of additional footage. 15 to 20 minutes. 30. Uh, it's 30 minutes. Is it really yeah. that much? Um, 30. Filling in character work. And again, this is what you're talking about. Character work in these movies making such a huge difference, you know, and and explaining uh, narratives that Zach really does layer from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. And so it's fascinating to see a cut of the movie that is the studio mandated uh, no, we're going to trim it down because it's got to run in a certain amount of time and, and we can mm. play it more times if it's this way. And it's taking out the nuance of specific things that he wants in. And then he's like, here's my three hour version. And you're like, God damn, that's so much better. And it just it, <laughs> it's more complete. It, it's more of your vision uh, restored. And so when I watched Ultimate Edition, um, that's what triggered me to the point of saying that. If there's a Snyder cut of his Justice League, it's got to be better because clearly he knows how to put these films together. But the, and, and again, it was like there was a preconceived notion of how Batman versus Superman should have played out. And I think people expected it to be something totally different than what it was. Mm-hmm. But when you take into account everything that you talked about with Man of Steel about an alien on our planet and how would we react to it? And then you turn around and take the most... Um, what's the right word for Batman? Um, paranoid, I guess the most uh, like homicidally paranoid superhero who would immediately distrust this alien who was on our planet, putting them against each other made a ton of sense. And particularly when you, when you think about everything Batman's already gone through by the point we, by the time we meet him yes. in BVS. Yep. Like, you, you know, he, he's, he's not the Batman from Batman Begins, obviously, you know, different universe, but like, He's he's everything that we know him. Everything we know about Batman has kind of already happened to him. So he's yes. already has a massive distrust of of things he does not understand. Yes, right. and I so I still think he's the best Batman to grace the screen. I agree, hundred percent. So I loved I loved Ultimate Edition for that reason, and we've talked about Zach a ton. There, there was a a, a couple of th- there were a couple of moments in BVS I really loved, and I almost wish that he would have touched on further. And it comes from that moment um, when. Uh, they're doing the Charlie Rose show and Charlie Rose basically says that like, what did you think was going to happen? Like someone like, like a creature comes down from the sky mm-hmm. and it, 
everything that you think about religion and government and like changes. Like mm. you, you, your perception of Christianity changes the moment a man descends upon like earth from another planet and can fly or like everything you think about whatever religion you subscribe to changes completely. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about what Snyder did is that like, you know, all the other Superman and I get like Superman, like in the seventies and the eighties, like they weren't concerned with like the big picture stuff. Sure. But you have to think about in reality, what would happen if Superman showed up? Like the entire world would not just question him. They would question themselves. And I thought that was fascinating. And, and Snyder does touch on that. I almost wish he touched on it further. Mm. Um, but obviously, you know, he only has so much time. But he would I, really I turn that. people off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Mainstream audiences would truly yeah. check out. All right, let's yeah. get the audience picks. Harry Lichtman went with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is a tremendous film, but probably a little bit too long. But that's okay. Uh, Ezra Cabero said, call me crazy, but I love Legends of the Guardians. The Owls, the Owls of Gahul. Owls of Gahul. <laughs> uh, Pedro Giuffra, Giuffra. Pedro said Watchmen. Uh, Van Carcel and Ishan Kumar went with Man of Steel. Mike the Demogorgon said 300. Truly a masterpiece. And Kyle David Perry said Dawn of the Dead. Someone named Bruce Wayne said all of them. But I don't know if that seems pretty... <laughs> I was going to say, Bruce Wayne said all of them except seems, the ones with Batman. Seems pretty biased. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, the ones without Batman. Yeah. See, Those now I'm thinking about hate. BVS Ultimate Edition on, like, warehouse scene. I mean, that's, like, one of the greatest scenes ever. I mean, they're both, they're both like, tied. You're not wrong. For me. Uh, yeah. For next week, we are going to play hashtag Emma Stone Blend as we talk about Cruella Ooh. and the films of Emma Stone. Uh, so you can play along by weighing in on social media using hashtag Emma Stone Blend, or you can email us at realblend.com. And that's also where you can send us reviews. And this week, we have a five-star review from a man named Mitchell Schwartz, who says, hey, guys, a well-earned and long-overdue review for this incredible show. For years, I've been looking for a film podcast, and I'm extremely grateful that someone shared the Tarantino interview on Reddit ever since. Since then, I've been a huge fan of the show, and I wish I had found you guys sooner. I've always had a passion for film, but no one to talk about the technical aspects of filmmaking. To say that I look forward for the show... Hold on, I just hit something that's zipped me forward. To say that I look forward to the show each week would be a massive understatement. I've gone back to the beginning of the podcast, and I've almost caught up. I anxiously, oh, I, always, yeah, I, I, I always get anxious when people say it that. Does make me cringe. Uh, I anxiously check my phone towards the end of the week, hoping to see a new episode available. The premium version of the show is beyond worth it. Now this feels a little hey. bit like we're setting this guy up for uh, for self promotion on this end, but honestly, this is a review that was submitted to us. I appreciate the open format and the opportunity to learn more about each of you. Thank you guys for sharing your friendship with us. I'm similar ages to Jake and Kevin, and it's been awesome to hear you guys talk about the movies that I. I loved growing up. Kevin, I also love Face Off, and the name Caster Troy has been my online gamer tag since middle school. That's because you're awesome. I'm constantly (laughs) surprised by how insightful your interviews can be. Your discussion with Barry Sonnenfeld was fascinating as he allowed (laughs) us to see behind the curtain into the casting and filmmaking process. We need the director's cut of that interview. Yes. (laughs) Release the Kovach cut. Uh, I, I appreciate the questions that are asked. And I can always count on an aspect ratio question from Kevin, a thought-provoking and heartfelt one from Sean, and lastly, the question that we're all thinking but are afraid to ask by Jake. This podcast means so much to me. Thank you all, and I hope to someday tell you in person whenever there's another meetup. So, 
Thank you so much for that amazing five-star review. That's awesome. We've seen a ton of really uh, great support from Apple Podcasts uh, or, or for the reviews that are placed on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you guys sending us, that one came via email uh, at realblendedcinemablend.com. Uh, so keep them coming. We really appreciate them. And, you know, look, as the world starts to open back up again, I'm going to push Gabe to maybe have us do some meetups. I would love to get to a point where we're back to a situation where we can be around people. Uh, that would be tremendous. Probably still a few months away. Yeah, I'll let, f- let Comic Con figure it out first, and then I'll start making moves. It's <laughs> probably a good <laughs> idea. Um, but I do miss being able to see uh, the blenders. So hopefully, we'll I mean, get honestly, to... if you think about it, we all, the three of us, and 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 Kevin and I were talking about this the other day because it's easy to forget because we see each other's face via Zoom every week. Right. We have not seen each other in person, Gabe, since the meetup. Yeah. Sean and Kevin since A Quiet Place in New York in March really? of 2020. Oh my which God, folks can man. listen into next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, can we tease the, ahead the to The long our... delay John Krasinski interview. Drops next week. How long was that interview? Is it 30? That's, or 20? Uh, Damn good interview. It's like, yeah, it's, I just, was just listening to it. It's somewhere between like 25 and 30, I think. How does it play a year later? Great. Great. Yeah. I think we should. I would like that. to. Can, can we just talk about. Because I think that's such an interesting time capsule mm. of. Like, obviously, we were still flying there. There was kind of this thing going around that people were a little apprehensive about. Next week to set um, it up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think I, th- I think it'd be, like, discussing the context of, like, a couple of weeks before the world yeah. shut down. And what that this was is like. like. Yeah, we're sitting there with John Rosinski with no masks. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is... Yeah. We'll like, making jokes about yeah. how, like, oh, we can't no really shake hands, but yeah, yeah. we're going to lean in for a selfie. Like, it was, you know, like... Yeah. It was Can we a, also it was dedicate moment. time to the pizza that we got at like oh, 1 o'clock oh. in the morning? Because it was so changing. I have a photo of us all with the pizza, so That's... we should... We... You know <laughs> what? I, I, Gabe, Gabe, I don't know if we can do this uh, off air, but next week when we're talking about these little these stories about the Krasinski interview, can you pop up some of those photos on the YouTube version? Sure. If I give them to you? Sure. You remember right, to give them I'll, to I'll, me? I'll, I'll, remember I'll, I'll the pepperonis were like yeah. curled, so they were like little yeah. cups for the grease? Now I'm yeah. hungry. Yes. Can we wrap oh, up the show? It's legitimately... I cannot wrap my brain around the fact that I haven't seen you guys in person because I see you every week. Like that's really yeah, that's... strange. It hasn't yeah. felt like I haven't seen you guys. Yeah, in a right. Because well, we do. Because we do this every. Yeah. Well, this is why you should watch us on well, YouTube. Well, not only that, but we're in constant contact. Like, there's yeah, like, what's the longest true. we go without texting each other? Like, half like, a day. Half a day. Like, like thirty six hours, and we're doing like a wellness check. Or you're like, are you alive? <laughs> <laughs> that's why, if this thing comes together, that we might potentially be able to do, like, that would be our first time all being back together, which would be. Yeah, we have a big. Like, if I, it I, I, yeah. I have to say, I haven't even said anything about it on that's the show true, yet. Yeah. That's, no, that's well, the first... we're not going to say anything about we it. We can't say. I know, but you're you're the first one that even mentioned anything. I have anything. thought because I've thought ahead to like, if we're able to do it, that will be the first time that we're all in the same place. Here's what I'll tell you: you're, you're talking about our in person interview with Adam Sandler for Hubie Halloween too. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna do the commentary. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Jake? I'm sorry. I was, I was just gonna say I, it's. I'm excited. I'm like arranging things next month around, and if it happens, yeah. Like I have, I have things that are falling into place, and I keep telling, like, no, I can't do this then, or I can't do that then, right? Because of this. You know just what I love case. about this discussion right now, and I'm not even joking. I'm curious. I feel like there's got to be a number of people that once they hear, let's let's read a review. No offense to people that send us reviews. Like, there's got to be yeah. a number of people that just dip. They're like, this is the end of the show. Yeah. I don't need to hear them yeah. gush about themselves. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they're missing this gold. This these teases right. about because we're giving you a a teaser of of, of what teaser. could be an all timer. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be yeah. history at the very least. Yeah. All right. Our next premium episode, which we're going to record right oh, yeah, after this. yeah, what is our next premium? I genuinely uh, don't know. The 2011 Oscars in review. And I don't know what movies those are, and I kind of like going into it cold. Yeah, so me too. 
we're going to talk about whether uh, the Academy made the right choice. And again, you can get access I to guarantee this. guarantee you they did not. And oh, all I know of what, our episodes I know what it is. of oh, Real Blend no. Premium at bit.ly backslash Real Blend Premium. So until next week, when we are back together for our John Krasinski interview, uh, Tales from the pre-days before COVID uh, and how... Are you guys able to see Quiet Place 2 again? Have they set up a screening for you guys at all? I haven't seen it again. I only saw that one time. Yeah, because I, I mean, Paramount was telling me that they were going to let us see it again for review purposes because it's been over a year. It is kind of uh, weird it opens next week. Yes, I, I know. Got, it's I like it snuck like, up on I, us. I don't feel like I know. I don't. Is it being promoted? Uh, yeah. There's a billboard I, around Los Angeles with my yeah. name on it, actually. Reviews, <laughs> reviews no, I mean, just dropped today for, for a lot of stuff. And I think yeah, I just feel like I haven't it. seen anything. Yeah, no, like, I'm with you in that I, most people, because I consider people I work with to be sort of the average moviegoer, and yeah. I don't think people I work with really know it's coming out. Yeah, right. well, right. next week we will start promoting Quiet Place Part 2. So until then, follow us on social media, at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and at Real Blend. Until then, I'm Cubie. a stod! Oh yeah, Kevin, you missed the whole Spielberg thing. We decided Spielberg. Oh, we're, oh, we're Spielberg. We're really right, going uh, Spielberg. You gotta pick something report. other than Amistad. You gotta pick something other than it can't be the Amistad. color purple. Oh, stop! Why are you doing some serious movies? Jesus Christ! Schindler's List. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.